May I speak in the name of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We're told that a lawyer challenged Jesus on what was the most important commandment. Surely a simple question with an obvious answer for any Jew. So why would a lawyer ask it? The answer is absolutely clear. In Deuteronomy 6.5, the law states, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And the Pharisees interpreted this law by introducing practices such as the Sabbath observance and the purity law. But it was so tightly prescriptive that it actually had the effect of excluding, marginalising and indeed punishing the very people to whom the law was supposed to help. Of course, the Pharisees, the uh, sort of corporate decision makers of today, insisted that their actions were indicative of their commitment to this first and greatest commandment given by God to Moses. So when Jesus argued that the law needed to be interpreted with integrity, empathy and common sense, and with a commitment to those on the margins, he became a real threat to the Pharisees' authority. But Jesus' critique on the Pharisees was not with their desire to keep the law in the smallest detail, but in their tendency to fall short on applying the central values of the law. In Matthew 23.13, Jesus issued a forceful indictment of their behaviour. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. For you don't go in yourself, and when others are going in, you stop them. So, if the Pharisees could get Jesus to admit that the greatest commandment was to love God, then they could claim that they'd been right all along, thereby undermining, even ridiculing Jesus' attempts to question their practices. And if, of course, he refused to admit that it was the greatest commandment, then they could accuse him of sacrilege. It was a trap. But Jesus replied, both confirmed and nullified the Pharisees' argument. He said, love God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. So yes, Jesus' answer does emphasise that the law is rightly understood when read through the lens of love. But it goes further and it encompasses this love for neighbour. Now this needs clarifying because both words, love and and neighbour are not as we would use them today. In the case of love, we're not talking about love as a romantic or sexual response. Jesus is talking about practical love, working to make everyone's lives more enriched, treating others equally, and as we would like to be treat treated ourselves, putting others before ourselves, and looking after those less fortunate than ourselves, and socialising at all levels, sharing our lives our time and our love. And what about neighbour? What does that mean? Well, the dictionary cites a neighbour as a person living next door or very near to the speaker or person referred to. But clearly, Christ didn't just die for the guy next door. Christ taught that our neighbours are not the people who are most like us, but actually, they're the ones who are most different from us. Our neighbours are the people that we've rejected or ignored and not just in our towns and cities, but across the world. Our neighbours are poor, are the poor, the homeless, the hungry and the starving. 
Our neighbours are those suffering the oppression and prejudice, be it gender, race or creed. Our neighbours are the refugees, separated from their families and denied any refuge or safety. Across the world, marginalisation and abuse is rife. And people are calling out in pain, anger and frustration. Yet too many of us can't see beyond our own experiences to realise or even be concerned about what is really happening in the world. And like us, the Pharisees couldn't or wouldn't reconcile this. But these are the same old words, aren't they? And if you haven't switched off by now, then you're probably doing quite well. Love thy neighbour is old hat. It's a nice idea, but it doesn't really happen. We're all worn out. We feel intellectually debilitated when we see the way our elected governments behave. We feel morally disempowered when we see the pictures of Afghanistan, Syria, or any of the famine areas. We feel helpless to influence anything outside of our immediate circles. And I'm not saying that we don't try, but the system is stacked against the individuals. For example, we all clapped the nurses during the pandemic. We drew rainbows expressing our support for the NHS. We all huffed and puffed at the way the PPE contracts were awarded and the subsequent discovery that they weren't fit for purpose. We were angered at the casual indifference shown by our elected politicians to the lockdown rules. And we unanimously agreed that the health workers had gone over and above. They'd made sacrifices that were incredible. They were the heroes of the pandemic. But when they were awarded a derisory pay increase, what did we do? Yeah, sure, we all said it was typical of the government. But it just carried on. Love your neighbour. It's certainly not a corporate mantra where money, profits and stakeholder investment are concerned. To love Christ as advocated is hard. And here's an honest question. Is it even possible in our modern lives? Life's demanding. It has a way of making us focus on the immediate and short-term issues that mainly affect ourselves or our immediate family and friends. Just look at the events of recent days when the country went into a me-first panic over petrol. Look at the bulk buying at the start of the pandemic. I bet there are people still out there using toilet rolls they bought at that time. Love your neighbour. So what can we do? Today's Climate Day. And what better day, really, than to talk about whether we love our neighbours. Because the way we treat our planet has a direct influence and effect on people. I talked a couple of weeks ago about how every, how every action we take has an impact on other people. Every decision may have a detrimental effect on someone on the margins. Our lifestyle choices are critical in the big picture because the way we think and live will affect our children and unless we take action, will take effect even sooner than we think. I talked about our choices of food, our energy sources, our waste and recycling practices, the cars we drive, our carbon footprint, our social interaction and our relationships with people we know and people whom we don't know. And I didn't do this to make us feel guilty. The, corporate, the corporates try to externalise their culpability by encouraging our feelings of guilt. But that doesn't mean we don't have a level of responsibility for our own actions to the planet. 
Loving God is at the core of our faith, but is incomplete in itself. If one's love for God does not translate into love for neighbours, or even prevents one from loving others, it simply becomes a cover for indifference in action and eventually our feelings of hostility towards others. That love needs to be active and include a level of care for the health and the well-being of our brothers and sisters around the world. Despite my comments about guilt and corporate responsibility to affect change, we can still all make a difference. Even one small change can make a difference. And if we all make changes, then eventually we will make a huge difference or influence the governments and decision makers and corporates to make those changes. It can be done. Look at the effect of the anti-smoking lobby that had years ago on banning smoking indoors and the effect that that has had on our lives. And that wasn't popular. That wasn't easy to affect. But look at the difference now. It's not too late to start. So let us pray. Almighty God, guide us in the ordering of our lives and in our relationship with you and with each other and with nature. May our relationships build on trust, honesty, integrity, respect and love. Help us to seek your perfect will in all things and when we've rightly discerned it, grant us the courage to perform it to your honour and glory. May we always act in the best interests of others as well as ourselves, seeking the common good in all we undertake. That our efforts at securing justice and peace in our homes, our churches and communities, take the value of each and every one of your children, created in your image and likeness. Let's take it seriously. We make our request in the name of your Son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.